Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus Bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 Now Podcast. How are we doing, my people? What is the good word? Here's the plan. We are just going to do a big, big NFL pod, 24 hours since the Super Bowl, some reaction to Kyle Shanahan, what is fair and not fair about the criticism after that game, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the experience in Vegas, which was incredible. I mean, that was, what a great place for a Super Bowl. Then some other stuff around the NFL, Mike Zimmer goes to the Cowboys, Mike McDonald in Seattle hires Ben Grubb away from Alabama, who was just coming with Dubor from Washington. And then Chip Kelly begged the NFL for a job and was told, now we're good. So we will dive into that. And I think the plan is this week, a lot of podcasts. This is a long podcast, about an hour of me just talking. We'll probably do a big mailbag tomorrow. You guys know the drill. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs to get on the mailbag. Three and Out podcast, subscribe if you listen on Collins Feed, YouTube channel. We, we got a bunch of content. Still kind of struggling, not going to lie. I, I don't know if it's a combination of three and a half long days in Vegas, if it was the the emotional toll of that game as a fan slash gambler. And it's it's Monday afternoon. I, I still I don't feel remotely close to 100%. So... Let's just let's just podcast and see where it goes. But first, we are going to tell you about my friends at Game Time. And I went to a concert on one that would have been Friday night. I saw Zach Bryant. The problem was it was in the hotel, and I, I couldn't get tickets through Game Time. It, you could only get them one specific place. And I found out what a nightmare and disaster using other ticket companies are. When they have a monopoly on an individual show and something goes wrong, uh, it, it was a disaster. And I've never gone through anything like that because the majority of tickets I've ever purchased in my life 
have come through the official ticketing app of this podcast, Game Time. And when you download the Game Time app, you can buy tickets to any sporting event, college or pro, concerts, comedy shows, and use the promo code J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, and save $20. I would have loved to save a little money on my Zach Bryan tickets, and I would have loved the customer experience that I've received from Game Time. That I can promise you this, I'm, I refuse to say their name, but they're terrible. And Game Time is awesome. Download it, promo code John. Okay, obviously, you know, what makes the 49ers very unique is their head coach is such a lightning rod. Uh, Even though he has proven to be a very, very successful guy who's not even 45 years old, but has been associated with some crazy losses. Obviously, a lot of big-time wins since he's been the head coach, but some pretty crazy losses. And when you're making long runs in the playoffs, you're going to be playing in these games where 50 million people are watching, if you play in a couple Super Bowls, you're getting 100 to 120 million people watching. It's like we have more opinions that are universal in terms of other people can relate because they watch the game as well when you're talking about a Sunday night game, when you're talking about a Monday night game, when you're talking about a Thursday night game. That's why I'm a big believer that if Kyle Shanahan can't convince Bill Belichick to come back, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I not only would fire Steve Wilkes, I would say, hey, Bill. We'll give you $25 million, one-year deal, be our defensive coordinator. <laughs> would you entertain that? You could make more than me. I don't care. But I, that's kind of what I would do. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen. But you're crazy if you don't think that's been discussed in the walls of 49er land. I mean, Kyle had to call a timeout because he did not like the play call. His defensive coordinator was telling Fred Warner to run. Pretty big red flag. If you have to micromanage like that, in the biggest moments of your professional career, no matter what industry you're in, if you're the boss and you have to micromanage at that level, that person is not the right person for the job. Because if you don't trust someone professionally, personally, it, it can't last. Because in the I have to trust you the most in the biggest moments, and Kyle clearly does not trust Steve Wilkes in the biggest moments. But I, I did want to dive in because, listen, I, I work for Andy Reid in Philadelphia. And there were a lot of parallels in terms of he could never win the big one. He's never going to get it done. He took a lot of heat. And that's what happens when you don't have the trump card of, you know, I got a ring. Listen, people have been shitting on Mike McCarthy for a long time now. Mike Tomlin gets a ton of heat. Their trump card always is, I got a ring. Whether that's fair or not, like Mike, you won that ring about 15 years ago. Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl ring. Beat Andy Reid on the way to that Super Bowl ring. Mike Tomlin has a Super Bowl ring. Doesn't matter how many times or how many years you go on and you don't win a Super Bowl or don't even win a playoff game, how many seasons where you clearly had no chance to make a run in the playoffs, you always have that trump card of, I got a ring. And I I hate like when, this happens a lot in NBA culture, like we push back against the ring culture. No, that's the whole point of the sport. The reason you do all this was not to make all this money, was not to be famous. If you coach in high school, it's to win your state championship. In college, it's to win the national championship. In the pros, it's to win the Super Bowl. It's the whole point of the entire fucking sport if you're a coach. If you're an owner, there are other points. Make money, build your brand. If you're a player, stats, money. Coach, 100% win and win big. And Kyle Shanahan so far has not got over the hump. Now, let's start with a criticism that's fair. The players did not know the overtime rules. And anytime you're the CEO, the manager, the coach, a huge part of your job is preparing those under you or preparing whatever your situation is for the the unknown, for things that might happen. Nothing is guaranteed to happen, but to mitigate your risks once you may get to a situation. It's why forever Belichick got so much credit. All of his players always said, we were prepared for everything. We knew all the rules. There was no situation that arose that we did not know. For example, most, I would imagine many people listening to this, including myself, knew that the overtime rules 
a couple was it last year or this, maybe it was this year I don't even know uh, I don't even think an overtime game happened last year it happened this year obviously and they had changed because of the thing everyone pushed for after the Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes the duel in Kansas City years ago which I think Andy Reid was one of the leading proponents of changing this rule but then when they were explaining the rule even if you're sitting around football fans like my girlfriend is a big 49er fan she's watched every game since I've known her and for a long time and the way they explained it, and then Tony Romo's like, you got to approach this like the first quarter, don't use your timeout. She was a little confused. She's like, wait, are you playing another game? And I'll never forget, because I was reminded today by asking people in the NFL who have the role of telling their coach in the booth that are in charge of the numbers, when to go for it, when not to go for it, situationally, what we should be prepared for, you know, quote-unquote, analytically, like it makes more sense to defer, to accept the ball, to go for two here, to go for it on fourth down. And even they said, like, we don't have a large sample size. So there's not necessarily a right or wrong way to do it because there are so many variables. How tired your team is, who your quarterback is, how well your offense is played. Even this guy, who's pretty dialed in, was like, listen, you can't, no issue if you're going to defer or not to defer. But the players did not know. They had not gone over it in San Francisco. And as we found out, the Kansas City Chiefs have been going over this scenario since training camp. It was something they actively talked about. And as someone who was once part of the team in Philadelphia that ended up in a tie, and then Donovan McNabb said after the game, I did not know you could tie a game in the NFL. This was in 2008. He didn't know the overtime rules. And this individual basically told me, like, it's actually a pretty good learning experience because once you go through it, it's something you never forget as a coach and you get more proactive in preparing. So if Andy maybe hadn't gone through that situation all those years ago, would he have been as proactive when it comes to rule changes in overtime, which, let's face it, Stucky told you, if you listen to the podcast last week, it was like 12 or 13 to 1, that his guy in Vegas said, this is an uh, undervalued market. Hammer the overtime. And he fucking nailed it. But my point is, one coach who has a lot more experience, because he's 20 years older than Kyle, and literally went through something in his previous stop that was pretty embarrassing. Not because it was Andy Reid's fault they tied, but the, the player a.k.a. the quarterback, the highest-paid guy on the team, admitted he did not know the rules. And Kyle Shanahan, who's preparing for a million things, just like any coach in this game, you know, circumvented this when it came to talking about it with his team. And I do believe that in a situation where you're going to accept the ball first, because my analytics guy in the NFL was basically like, listen, I, I got you want to take the ball first, that's fine. But when you're playing, you know, your opponent dictates how aggressive you should be. If you're playing some random team who has an average to below quarterback, it's one thing you don't have to be as aggressive. But if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, it would probably be the right decision to be extra aggressive and play for a touchdown once you get down near the five-yard line. His point was on third and four, once you get stopped, why wouldn't you just go for it again What's the worst case scenario? They got to drive 60 plus. The game turns into sudden death there. Your defense had played pretty well. And he has to drive a long way just to get them into field goal range. And I don't know if Kyle really had a strategy. And I think anytime you're the head coach, not having a strategy for these serious situations is your problem. It's not the player's issue. Fred Warner just called, yeah, we want the ball. Because Kyle Shanahan told him to do that, right? The Chiefs had a clear plan. If they won the toss, they were going to defer. And then if the 49ers had scored a touchdown, they were going to drive and try to obviously score a touchdown and then go for two. They had prepared for the moment. The 49ers had not. So of all the things that happened in that game, listen, it's it's easy to nitpick play calling. Why didn't you pass there? Why did you run there? Why did you pass there and not run there? That's a very, very difficult job. It's fun to do because it's a natural reaction for us watching the game, for us gambling on the game. It's something we all do. But I think we all would admit, beside like some crazy dumb play, 
it's clearly a hard role to play as a play caller. Most guys that end up as play callers, let's face it, kind of suck. And Kyle Shanahan has proven to be pretty damn good. So I was a little critical of a stretch in the game with Colin. Listen, it, 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 he probably could defend some of those play calls. But I do think 100%, one thing he cannot defend, which is just a mistake, is not having your team not only going over the rules with them, but having a clear plan of attack. And he said after the game, we accepted the ball because we wanted to get the ball third, right? We score, they score, and then we'd get the ball. Well, as we learned, Andy Reid was never going to allow them to get the ball again. They were either going to win it or lose it with the two-point play, which I think is pretty clear that they ran to get the game-winning touchdown. That sure looked like a two-point play to me, that the Niners had no chance. There wasn't even a fucking soul around them. Again, Steve Wilkes can't imagine Kyle in huge spots, coverage, complete mismatch. Like, I don't put, you lose Robert Sala, you lose D'Amico Ryans, it's hard to hire good defensive coordinators. Steve Wilkes is fine, but he's a huge downgrade over D'Amico Ryan. And their defense, from a pass coverage standpoint, which is ironic, he's a DB coverage guy, it can be pretty hit or miss. The 49ers defense goes as their D-line dominates and Fred Warner makes every tackle. They're not exactly, you know, some great coverage team, especially the guys they were rolling out there. And there were points in time, in the biggest spots of their season, that it didn't look like guys knew what were going on. But, listen, I, I, I put that OT thing squarely on Kyle. One thing that is not fair, everywhere you look today on the internet, basically everyone's saying Kyle becomes the first guy to blow. Listen, other people have lost Super Bowls. The 40, or excuse me, the Patriots lost three Super Bowls. They didn't blow them all. Everyone acts like Kyle Shanahan has blown three Super Bowls. You could argue he blew two. This one and the Chiefs one. There has never been another head coach in the history of the NFL who has been absolved from a loss quite like Dan Quinn. Think about this, because I was thinking about it today. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is the head coach, but he's a defensive guy. He does not call the offensive plays. I I didn't even look it up today. It, it's either Bevel or Schottenheimer, but I don't actually know who the offensive coordinator is the year Russell Wilson threw the pick to Malcolm Butler. Why? It never gets discussed. You know who every single human, including his own team, takes an entire dump on 10 years later? Pete Carroll. Why did we throw the ball? Even though Pete is not the offensive play caller, but he's the head coach. He's the boss. Yet Dan Quinn gets treated like he's some quality control guy who just picks up other people's coffee. He was the fucking head coach. And everyone, and I mean everyone, blames Kyle Shanahan for the Atlanta-New England loss. Yet when you look at these other situations of these devastating L's, the head coach and and the players always get the criticism. Yet, for whatever reason, Atlanta, Dan Quinn, I would imagine some casual football fans don't even know Dan Quinn was the head coach. They'd be like, oh yeah, Kyle Shanahan was the guy running the show in Atlanta. It's it's insane. That criticism of that Super Bowl, it is not fair that he takes the most amount of criticism. It's actually insanity. Because if we're going to apply that, we have to apply it to all the other Super Bowls who have been in similar situations in terms of blowing it on offense. Yet, when you look at these other situations... Seattle's a great example. No one ever talks about Bevel Schottenheimer. I don't even know who the offensive coordinator was because all we do is talk about Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. What is fair? Andy Reid has proven, and this is where I think Colin and a lot of people are scan, is he the best coach of all time? His ability to win with any type quarterback is easily his best skill. We've seen him dominate with Donovan McNabb. We've seen him win games with Michael Vick. We've seen him average like 10 and a half, 11 wins with Alex Smith. And we've seen him become a living legend with Patrick Mahomes. All of those guys have different skill sets. All of those guys do things better than others and struggle at things that the other guys don't struggle with. Yet he adapts his offenses and figures out a way to win football games with all of them. And one thing he does with Patrick Mahomes, who is... In a league full of athletic quarterbacks, Josh Allen, 
Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, right? All these guys that can really move. We don't really consider Patrick Mahomes on their level athletically. Yet he makes plays in the biggest games. He's done it for years now with his feet where you go, holy shit, what an athlete. And Andy Reid, multiple times yesterday, with the game on the line, on a big fourth down play, what did he do? He had Mahomes run. On the game-winning pass, what did he do? He sprinted Mahomes out to the right. Yet when you watch Brock Purdy, who is not Peyton Manning in the pocket, he can't really see. It's going to be something that is always going to limit his ability as a player. Just pure pocket quarterback, five, seven-step drop because of his height. Yet when he gets makes plays outside of the pocket, and the only time he ever does this, if it's not a play-action boot fake for Kyle, is when kind of shit hits the fan, and he has to scramble to try to make a play. And he did that countless times yesterday, and and really throughout his young career. And every single time he's done that, something cool happens. Something big time happens. Why? Because he's a very instinctive player who is a good athlete. Yet Kyle Shanahan never, ever runs plays that just get Brock moving to his right. Ball snap, run to your right, set your feet, and see what's going on. Get outside of the pocket. So I do think it's fair to criticize whether he should call a run or a pass. We can scream at each other till we're blue in the face. There's, it's impossible to be right or wrong, and it's always easy to play Monday morning quarterback. But to not utilize Purdy's legs when height is something that is just going to be a deterrent to be a consistent pocket quarterback is insane. I understand Kyle is very tied to his specific offense and the plays that are intertwined in it. But how could he not steal some of these sprint outs and plays to get Purdy moving in big moments? Because it's something that he shines in doing. So the criticism of Kyle's play calling overall got too pass happy in the second half. Likes to run too much. I think the bigger issue is him is him not implementing plays that are outside the Shanahan playbook. And let me say this. The Shanahan playbook has proven to be extremely successful. Extremely successful. It works against the majority of teams they play. But when you've played Patrick Mahomes and you're in this situation, uh, uh, there were multiple times in that game where a touchdown honestly would have felt like a backbreaker to the Chiefs. But the Niners stalled out. And for a guy who's gotten kind of pass happy over the last three weeks, it's crazy that he's not calling those type passes. I'm not saying every play, but just get Purdy moving schematically based on the play. Not because his guard gets smoked or his tackle gets run over and he's got to run away and then make a play, which he's proven to be able to do over and over and over again. So if you're going to leave him in the pocket 24-7, 365, yeah, he's going to have some limitations there. He's he, That's just not going to be his deal. I mean, he's fine, but he, he, help him out a little bit. What is not fair? And ultimately, to me, this is really stupid. This guy is never ever going to win a big game. Well, he's already won eight playoff games and he's 44 years old. Let me repeat that. He's won eight playoff games. He's 44 years old. He started going to the playoffs in 2020. That was his first playoffs, the January of 2020. It's currently February of 2024. So he has won a shitload of big games with 40, 50, 60 million people watching. He also won multiple big games With Jimmy Garoppolo a couple years ago, who was not the 2019 version, not playing very well, on the road against the Cowboys and on the road against Aaron Rodgers. Now, can he ever win the Super Bowl? I saw it firsthand because of how closely I followed Andy Reid's career, having worked for him, and then when he went to Kansas City with Philadelphia. Life is not about how you start, right? But how you start does build the foundation for the rest of your career. And I think it's pretty fair to say, a lot like Andy in Philadelphia, or even Andy with Alex Smith in in Kansas City, if you give yourself enough chances, inevitably things are going to break through. 
And a lot like Andy, he's pretty good working with a lot of different quarterbacks. Now, is Brock Purdy going to be his quarterback for the next 10 years? I, I don't know. But to think that Kyle Shanahan's never going to figure this out, to me, is just stupid talk. Phil Mickelson's never going to win a major. Then he won six. Right? We play this game all too often. For a long time, Peyton Manning gets too tight in the playoffs. And then he went to four Super Bowls and won two of them. Right? The cream, in my belief, always rises. Especially in a really competitive industry. Kyle Shanahan has four playoff losses. Let's rattle them off. Twice he's lost to Andy and Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl. He once lost to McVay and Stafford, who won the Super Bowl. And last year, when his quarterback got his arm injured, he lost to the Eagles, who had a late lead in the Super Bowl. So he is not losing to, well, he just, he lost to McCarthy, who got bounced the next round. He is just losing to Super Bowl champs. So you can't get any closer than he's getting. What would, as Cowboy fans, or Steeler fans, or Packer fans with LaFleur, would you give to have leads in fourth quarters of Super Bowls? Trust me, as someone who had a lot of money on the 49ers, who was rooting for the 49ers to win this game, that sucked. And that was way worse. I think way worse than the previous Super Bowl loss against the Chiefs. Because ultimately, they scored 21 unanswered. Tyreek Hill made the big play. That offense was historically great. This team... While they have an excellent defense, their offense was struggling to score. And you have a million weapons. Now, Debo, some of those weapons got some flaws. Debo, not exactly a great route runner. (laughs) And the Chiefs knew it. And they neutralized him. Kittle, I I don't really quite know what happened there. Ayuk was fine, but I don't know. What do you have, three or four catches? And Christian McCaffrey, I mean, did everything he could. But ultimately, the offense... You need to score more points against the better defenses. And we saw it twice this year against the Ravens, who just kind of overwhelmed them with the turnovers, and clearly the Chiefs just gave the 49ers a lot of trouble. They just did on third downs against blitz packages. Now, the good thing they have going for them, they have an $800,000 quarterback. Someone on Twitter today, you know, the volume posts all these uh, social clips, and someone was like, if Dak had had that game, that Purdy just had Middlecoff, you would be taking him to town. No, I wouldn't. That'd be one of the best playoff games Dak's ever had. I've watched Dak the last three years get bounced in the playoffs. He's thrown five interceptions and been horrendous. Here's the other thing. Dak Prescott, we're just using him as an example, makes $40 million. Part of judging Brock Purdy is, I don't know, he doesn't even make a million dollars. It's why comparing him to all these other quarterbacks... Here's my thing with Lamar Jackson. This was the worst MVP year I think I ever have seen. Like, it's not some great competition. It wasn't four guys throwing 45 touchdowns. It was a shitty MVP year. That's why Brock was in the conversation. Do I think he's comparable to a lot of former MVPs? Some Rodgers seasons, some Brady seasons, some Mahomes seasons? Of course not. You'd have to be smoking crack to think that. But this notion that he wasn't really good throughout the season, but... They faced a couple big-time defenses throughout the year, and it didn't look great. And that's something that we either got to find out he can take the next step, or that's always going to be a crutch. Because until he has to make big money, then like, yeah, he's kind of graded on a curve. Does not make $1 million. To put this in perspective, Deshaun Watson next year, his cap hit is $63 million. So the difference between Deshaun Watson and Brock Purdy is like $62 million of cap space that you can build around your team. That, that's a big advantage. Now, once you get paid, we judge you differently. Jalen Hurts was an incredible story in 2022. Then we looked at him a little differently once he signed $300 million or whatever the hell he got and starts making $45, $50 million a year. It's what's so incredible of Patrick Mahomes. He was incredible on a rookie contract. Then they gave him $450 million. And Florida was like, oh, they didn't guarantee that much. It's like, yeah, when you're a great quarterback, I got news for you. I actually ran into Mahomes' agent, Chris Cabot. And I, we didn't talk about this, but when you're a good, good quarterback, let alone an all-time great quarterback, you see every penny of your contract. 
All these other players at all these other positions, they're holding on for dear life. The moment they start slipping, you're cut. It's not the way it works with quarterbacks. Google like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott and all the guys that we don't even consider to be top five or six quarterbacks. They have seen every penny of every dollar they've ever signed for. And the moment they restructured, they got it all back if they didn't see that last year. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. So I'm going to end with this. I do think he eventually will win it. But these scars are going to be something that he's going to have to build off of. Look in the mirror. And his team didn't know the OT rules. He never got Brock Purdy on the move. But he did not lose the Atlanta Falcons the Super Bowl. He was a coordinator, not the head coach. He was not even the boss. Middle management can't send your company into bankruptcy. Unless like they're committing fraud or whatever. And Andy Reid, once upon a time at a similar age, is viewed as some guy that's never going to win the big game. How'd that turn out? Speaking about Andy Reid, I I think he's a great example of sometimes it takes so long for people to truly appreciate you. Like, there are some guys that just, for whatever reason, it just happens for for immediately. Kind of Sean McVay. Gets hired at 31, and within five years, he's a Super Bowl champ, superstar, making $15, $20 million a year, has... Jeff Bezos' company begging him to come work for them at $100 million. And some guys like Andy Reid, who I swore to God I've never been around, I never will be around another guy, and anyone who has ever worked for the Chiefs in a scouting or a coaching or a training capacity will swear by this with me, it's impossible to work harder than that guy. His work ethic isn't elite. It's it's what it's above elite. It, it just His ability to grind is unlike anything I have and ever will see. And and I've always said this. Just because you work hard, even in this great country we live in where capitalism, you can make a ton of money, does not guarantee you shit. You deserve nothing. You get what you negotiate. But when you have the elite work ethic and you have this talent, which Andy clearly has, which is get along with people, understand football players, understand what makes them tick, Obviously, from a schematical standpoint, 
is elite, great at putting together staffs, great at just knowing his industry inside and out. You will eventually get what you're looking for. And it took him longer than most, right? It took him 18, 19 years of coaching. But he is two wins away, and he coached three less years so far in Kansas City than he worked in Philadelphia from matching the win total in his time in Philadelphia. And we all agree his time in Philadelphia was extremely successful. What he's done in Kansas City, he's 128-51 and 51 in the regular season. He's obviously won three Super Bowls in the last five or six years. He's gone to six straight AFC championships. He is currently dominating the league. And one thing I think that's... We can argue till we're blue in the face, him versus Belichick. I think both of them would tell you the other guy is unreal. They're elite at their job. And one thing with Andy, like Bill got Tom Brady 25 years ago. It took Andy till 2018 to find his Tom Brady. And a lot like Bill, once you gave those two guys Tom Brady, it was on like Donkey Kong. Same thing, Bill Walsh. Didn't get a head coaching job till later in life. A couple years in, guess Joe Montana. Actually, it might have been his first year in 1979. But within a couple years, won the Super Bowl and the rest is history. And I think the major difference between Bill and Andy is culturally. I think they both share, I've never worked for Belichick, but known a ton of people who have. When I was at Fresno State, Pat Hill used to work for Bill in Cleveland. A ton of our Fresno State guys got drafted there. Moses Cabrera, our strength and conditioning uh, coach, has been there since like 2011. Won multiple Super Bowls. Three, I think. And the work ethic of Belichick and Andy, it's just it's the cream of the crop in the sport of football. But Bill is a Northeastern kind of curmudgeon because that's kind of the wiring of people back there. Well, the wiring of us on the West Coast is a little different. We're not as angry. We, we just aren't. It doesn't mean that we're not moody or can't be edgy. But the personality of the two of us, I think, reflects the two guys. One guy vacations in Nantucket. The other guy vacations in Southern California. One guy wears Tommy Bahama. The other guy refuses to show up for the photo shoots because he hates everybody. And I'll never forget, you know, for those that don't know, you know, in my second year in Philadelphia, I had kind of felt lonely. It was like this, I just by myself, all the way out there, even though we had a good young staff. It's not like I didn't have friends, but my, my life felt a little hollow. And I remember started asking around, like, is there any, you know, Thanksgiving was coming up around the corner. And I, and listen, I'm just second year guy there, pro scout, making like 50K. At the end of the day, not that important to the whole grand scheme of things. But I was asking Howie's assistant, Katie, who I think still works there, you know, is there like a homeless shelter or something that I could just go give back, serve some food? I just wanted to do something else besides just this world of football. We were losing. It was just kind of a negative time up upstairs. And I don't know, know how he got word of it, but someone came down. I, I don't remember if Andy came down or I got an email that was like, go to Andy's house for Thanksgiving. He wants you to go. So my second year in the NFL... On Thanksgiving Day, we, we worked a little bit in the morning, practice ends, and I just had Thanksgiving, sat with Andy at his house. <laughs> I mean, Marty Morningwig was there, Eugene Chung. Like, I, it's not like I was just me and his family. There were other people there, but he did not have to invite me. And every single person who has been around Andy, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, and this goes back to Green Bay, this obviously goes to Philadelphia, and now his time in Kansas City, love the guy. And if you played for him, you probably had success and you probably made a lot of money. And it probably benefited your actual professional career. But I think when you talk to these guys, whether it's way back in the day, the Hugh Douglases, Brian Westbrooks, the next generation of Shady McCoys, Macklins, and Deshaun's and Vicks, or this, you know, from Alex Smith to Kelsey to Chris Jones to Patrick, and obviously a million players in between, they all really like him. I mean, like, really legitimately like the guy. And I think that's a huge difference between him and Bill. Obviously, if you played for Bill over 20 years with Brady, you fucking won. And a lot of guys became legends and will make money the rest of their life because of that time period. But most of them all admit, I have no relationship with the guy. Zero. When I text Andy in a day or two, he'll respond to me. 
I, I, I'm not Brian Westbrook or I'm not Howie Roseman or I'm not Alex Smith. And I can't even imagine how many guys. I, I, I was telling a buddy on the Chiefs, I'm like, I, I get a response quicker from Coach Reed than I do Veach. And it just speaks to, I think, his personality. And he's just a very unique character. He, he really is. And listen, I wanted the Niners to win because I always felt good. I, I rooted for Coach Reed in 2020. I, I honestly did. And last year I was rooting for him as well, but they weren't playing the Niners. I, I wanted the Niners to win this one. But when it was all said and done, I mean, it sucks. It's it's a pretty big kick in the you-know-what, especially if you had money on uh, not on, on the Chiefs. But I, I don't think there's anyone who have ever been associated with Andy that don't get joy out of his success because of just what a special person he is. And, and what, like, there aren't many guys like him. They're really not. And there, there won't be many guys like him again. And I think what makes his story so cool is, again, these were first-class problems because he was winning a lot of games. But a lot of people said he was never going to get it done. Couldn't manage the game. Got too pass-happy. Now he just won back-to-back Super Bowls for the first time since 20 years, and it was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And other coaches like Jimmy Johnson or Walsh and Seaford were doing it with the Niners. It's a very, very special category. And Andy belongs in that category. Obviously, a big reason he's in this category is because of the quarterback. And like anything, there's an element of luck in a draft when you are not the number one pick especially when you were in a situation like trading up for him. But the organization had conviction. Veach loved him, sold him to Dorsey. They sold him to Andy, Nagy, and all those guys, and they were all in. Obviously, you needed him to fall. They had to get a trade up, and they pulled it off. But since we've seen him play and then pull this off, he's one of the most remarkable players we've ever seen. And early on, what made it so cool is he was like this Brett Favre, Steph Curry hybrid athlete that it's like, what is going on here? And then this season was much more normal football. It was difficult. He struggled. I remember on Christmas Day, and I was so hungover, in watching him throw that pick six against Jack Jones. And then I think a series or two later, he easily could have thrown another intercept. He looked bad. And you're like, this is just not going to be his year, tough season. It happens. And I've always been impressed with athletes whether you're a pro golfer and you just you can't hit a fairway but you look up at the end of the round it's like god he shot three under a baseball pitcher is like i i got my like c minus of stuff today and you get through seven and a half innings what you do when you don't have it in sports truly determines how great you're gonna be a lot of guys have elite talent a lot of guys have unreal physical capabilities but you're not always going to have your A game. Things are going to come tough. And you're watching that Super Bowl going, God, it just it looks off. It's tough. The D-line was peppering Mahomes. And there were so many shots in the second half that came right up to his face. And you're like, God, he doesn't even look faced. He doesn't even really look like he's sweating. How, how is he so dialed in right now? And that's what makes the greatest players of all time who they are. It's their personality. It's their wiring. That used to be the thing about Joe Montana. His nickname was Cool Joe. The pressure be, you know, came stronger and stronger throughout the game. He got more calm. Michael Jordan's ability to focus in the biggest moments run parallel. Tiger Woods, same thing. Tom Brady, same thing. And we're watching a guy who... Listen, I'm always fascinated by the human psychology, the wiring of it, whether it's just all the reps he's had throughout his life whether it was the struggle in college, whether it's now the combination of him and Coach Reed, whether it's a learned experience. Obviously, you know, a learned experience, the only way you can experience is to go through stuff. But I, you do have to wonder, was he born with certain traits that make it more conducive for him to stay calm, for him not to get worked up? And as he learned that over time, as he matured, is he more mature now in terms of his emotions than he was five or six years ago? I'm sure there are all these variables. But I've said it forever, and I'll say it till the day I die. Love sports. Still really enjoy watching them. Obviously, I watch much more football and golf than the other two major sports. But I flipped on the Warriors on Saturday night and watched Steph Curry hit that game-winning shot, which I think is like easily a top-five game-winning shot he's ever had. Uh, I still like watching big-time playoff baseball. 
Where I like it when the moment's the biggest, you know, the most is on the line and the best players are involved. In a 2-2 game and Bryce Harper's up in an 0-2 count. It's like, what the fuck, how's he going to get out of this one? And then a couple pitches later, he sends it into, you know, West Philadelphia. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is. He is the reason I watch sports. And I think that game was littered with high-end guys. That was what was so... How good was Nick Bosa? How unreal was Fred Warner? How about Travis Kelsey flipping the switch these last three weeks after, for his standard, it felt like he was slipping a little bit? Chris Jones. I mean, how good is that guy? Holy shit. But the star of the show, the guy that rose above it all, was Patrick Mahomes. And just... Was if you like football, just fun to watch. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their general tire, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Let's beg out a couple other things. Vegas was incredible. It it, it really is tailor-made to host this event. I told Colin this yesterday, and I've been thinking about it. If you said the Super Bowl was in Vegas the next five years, I don't think a soul in the NFL, I don't think any fan who wanted to go to the game would complain at all. That's I, I've never been to a New Orleans Super Bowl. I'm sure it's awesome. Have been to a Miami Super Bowl. It is awesome. I, I'm biased. Scottsdale, Phoenix, a little spread out, but still pretty cool. I think there's, and especially waste management's going on the same time. It, it's a perfect time for the event. Vegas is set up to do this moving forward. And I think I saw a headline, Roger Goodell says, we're coming back. Of course you're coming back. Now, if you're there, it's it can be a little risky. You never have to go outside. Those casinos are always ice cold. It's easy to lose five figures. I did. It, it, it hasn't been my greatest five-day stretch of life. I will promise you that. 
but there is so much going on. And I think the previous generation that, you know, don't, not everyone likes to gamble. You know, some of us were born to, you know, kind of put it on the line in whatever we're doing on life. And that's what gets my juices flowing. I like to gamble in life, right? Whether that's actually gambling on sports, at the tables, whether it's business-wise, whether it's in the stock market, that I'll never get my rocks off jumping out of a plane. I will never skydive. I, I'm not going to bungee jump. I, I don't like doing shit like that. I don't need to get into a fight to get my juice. Like I like financially have something on the line. That gets me going. That's where I get my highs professionally and just in life. That's one of my hobbies. And, and Vegas, for guys like me, is a pretty special place. But if even if you don't like to gamble, there were... I mean, there's always stuff to do there concert-wise. The food in Vegas is incredible. Obviously, they have a million like high-end five-star restaurants, but even just some of the hole-in-the-wall spots. We went to this place. I think the Cosmo is my favorite hotel. I haven't been to Fountain Blue yet. I like Aria, too, but I think the Cosmo is just the perfect hotel. It, it, it has literally everything you could possibly need. Jim's actually a little shitty. Did hit that once. And it didn't last long, but I, I could use a little bigger gym. But overall, in terms of the amenities, everything you need, I, I just can't recommend the place enough. And I told Colin this before I was born. The guy my dad worked for owned a casino in Vegas. And, and listen, I'm a sucker for mob shows. Whether you've seen Casino, whether you've seen the documentaries on the mob, they ran Vegas. That is no longer the case. So there was this stigma from older people that Vegas was a shady place. It was where shady shit goes down. You walk into Vegas now, it's like walking into the S&P 500. It is run by corporate America. Now, there was a moment at the Aria. I sat down. Me and Maria were doing a walk around, checking out some shops, trying to get our steps in. Actually ran by Reggie Bush. Told him, you know, my cousin, he, he juked him out on one of his famous runs against Fresno State back in 2005. But the Aria, I sat down at this table and this dude at the Aria was like, Love your show. And listen, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I, I've gotten that before. It doesn't throw me off. But I looked at the guy who was like 65 years old. I was like, this guy really listen to my show? And then he had, I don't know if she was the pit boss or just maybe the next dealer coming up. I mean, this guy was just killing me. And she's like, oh, you're that podcaster from YouTube. And it was like they had things in their ear, like they were the CIA using face recognition, Google me, and then try to butter me up so I could just give them, you know, $2,000. It was crazy. Listen, I'm not saying the dealer doesn't listen to my show, but I do think there's a chance that they were doing some stuff at the Aria. So listen, I'm not acting like nothing shady happens in Vegas. They have a business to run. <laughs> like they're trying to get my money. I'm trying to get theirs. I, we both know the deal. And the odds are in their favor. It's why the casinos are so nice. But when you walk around Vegas, one, you feel very safe. Two, you feel like no matter what you want to do, they have it there for you. High end, low end, mid end, it does not matter. You, you don't need to be rich. You can be poor. There's something for everyone. There is every price point at the hotel. I, I, I truly think that Vegas, if I didn't live where I live now, I would live in Vegas. There are two places that I would live on the West Coast, and that would be Vegas or Scottsdale. And I think now you don't live on the strip, but I understand why people that live in Vegas like it so much. Obviously, the no state income tax helps, but there is a vibe and an energy on that strip that, listen, maybe it's not for everybody, though I do believe something is there for everybody. It's for me. And it's it was fucking awesome. And I, if your team makes the next Super Bowl in Vegas, I cannot recommend going enough. A couple other things. Mike Zimmer to the Cowboys. One thing, I haven't seen all the details of the length of his contract. I would imagine Mike Zimmer got more than a one-year deal. Let's just say this. In a vacuum, Mike Zimmer is an elite defensive coordinator. Elite. I think he is awesome. We saw him in this, with the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw what he did as a head coach while he was also calling plays with the Minnesota Vikings. I say this all the time. How Rick Spielman isn't a general manager in the NFL is beyond me. He's easily one of the best personnel men of the last 10, 15 years in the NFL. But as a wise man told me once, coaches get second chances, GMs typically don't. But Mike Zimmer to me is a no-brainer hire for the Cowboys. I do think that it could work out 
midseason. Their defense is awesome. Not skipping a beat. They're winning 12, 13 games, and we're judging them like normal. It's just going to come down to the playoffs, and everything's cool during the year. Or things could get weird, right? What if the season doesn't go that well? They got McCarthy on a one-year deal. They're, the elephant in the room is going to be, what are they going to do with him long-term, right? Is he going to get a contract extension? Is he going to get fired? And that has a chance to get weird. So all the coaches that they were interviewing were big-name guys, big personality guys. They interviewed Rex Ryan, Mike Zimmer. Do you know what those... Wink Martindale is a good example of this. Do you know what those guys give zero you-know-what about? Worrying about what they say when they say it. They're already rich. They don't have time to be political. Bruce Arians was the same way. They do not give a shit, which I like. And when things are going well, it's awesome. But if things get weird, and I'm not saying backstabbing or anything, I'm just saying it adds to the weirdness. So it's like the elephant in the room of something to watch because of McCarthy's contract. If you told me they hired Mike Zimmer, even with that personality, but Mike had just got a three-year contract extension, I would not bring this up. But Jerry is adamant that like he's going to coach on this one year. Mike's cool with it. It just has potential to get weird. Speaking about getting weird, I watched one of the days, maybe it was when I was at the gym at the Cosmo, I flipped on the uh, press conference for Mike McDonald and John Schneider. And pretty impressive, buttoned up. A little stiff for me, but uh, you know I've heard he's a great coach. Young coordinator from, from the Ravens. And I think the big question mark was who they were going to hire as their offensive coordinator. And they interviewed Chip, and I was at the volume party talking to uh, Sherm, and I was like, that would be the worst hire alive. And listen, I give them credit. They didn't do it. They went with Ben Grubb, who is Kalen Dubor's right-hand guy, who's been with him at Fresno State, who's been with him in Washington, went with him to Alabama. And on the surface, like it's, an, it's a no-brainer hire. He's clearly at least been, in college or pro, one of the best offensive coordinators in all of football. My only issue with it is Mike McDonald's a good example. Mike McDonald has coached in the pros, then he went to college, and then he came back to the pros. So he kind of has a lay of the land with everything. Recruiting, NIL, free agency, trades, practice squad, he's seen it all. The issue with Ben Grubb is he's never worked in pro football. Ever. And not saying that you can't make the transition. A lot of guys do. But if you look at a lot of coaches when they make the transition from college football, because that's where a lot of people start, myself included, you usually start at a lower level. Sometimes you start as a quality control coach. Sometimes you start as a position coach. And you work your way up to a coordinator. I do think it is difficult when your coordinator, and I like Ben Grubb. I, hell, I put the biggest bet I've ever made was a large reason was Ben Grubb against Steve Sarkeesian's defense. And it paid off. It was awesome. But I've seen it before, and I think it can be very, very tough for these guys that have never worked in pro football, especially when you go to work and your head coach is the defensive guy. So the offense is all on you. Now, ultimately, football's football. Maybe the rules change a little, right? One feet, two feet. When you're down in college, you're actually not down in the pros if no one has touched you. So, I mean, there are little uh, details here and there, but still. I mean, an outside zone's an outside zone. Uh, you know, a seven-yard out route, uh, the different concepts are very, very similar. And he, they run, a, I would say, a pro-style type offense, right? But dealing with people who make more money than you can be complicated. It just can. And I understand taking that risk. Uh, listen, I'm a pro-risk taker. But we can't act like this is some no-brainer hire. Say this. I would not have hired Chip Kelly, but I do understand interviewing him go, one, the guy was begging to get out of UCLA, but he has coached in the pros before. He's proven he can do it. Ryan Grubb has not. And I'm not saying from a schematic standpoint. I'm not saying this guy will be overwhelmed in terms of getting guys open or calling run plays or anything. I'm just talking about on a daily basis, dealing with people who the rules of the way they operate, they're all under contract. When they're late, you don't like have them go run hills. You find them. It can just be somewhat of a culture shock for guys. Speaking of a culture shock, I understood why Jeff Halfley, whatever that was a couple weeks ago, left Boston College to go be the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. It's a better job. It just Boston College is a bottom five 
eight job in all of Power Five. The Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job. If you have success in in two years, you'll be an NFL head coach. If they go to the playoffs the next two years and their defense is improved, Jeff Halfley will be an NFL head coach. The Chip Kelly leaving UCLA, and listen, I'm not here. I I grew up actually a pretty big UCLA fan. A good family friend of ours, uh, John Hofert, walked on UCLA's team with, uh, with who was on those teams, like Jason Capono and some of those guys in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I loved UCLA basketball. My cousin Nick Amendola played for the football team in the early 2000s. I've always rooted for UCLA football, just UCLA sports. Clearly, when it comes to this changing landscape, they are behind the term, or you know the, the changing uh, adaptation of everything that's going on. Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Oregon, all, the, all these, Texas, all these programs are adapting. They're struggling. And I understand it's not a great job. But, like, I'm sorry. I don't give Chip Kelly the benefit of the doubt. I did not understand at the end of last season why UCLA didn't fire Chip Kelly and attempt to hire Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. He's literally from Pasadena. Maybe they didn't have the money. Because Jonathan Smith got like $7.5 million a year for Michigan State. Maybe Jonathan Smith would have rather gone to Michigan State. You had a West Coast guy who had spent his entire career, Boise State, Washington, Oregon State, leave. When you had Chip Kelly, who doesn't give a shit about you. Chip Kelly reminds me of these NBA players that are just total mercenaries. And this is a huge reason that no one really talks about. I think that doesn't resonate with the consumer anymore. It's like Kevin Durant's on the Suns. I don't think Kevin Durant cares about the Phoenix Suns one iota. I don't think it means anything to him. And I don't think he's alone. I think all these guys, the jersey means nothing to them. And maybe it's been that way for a while. But I'll promise you the Lakers meant something to Kobe. The Bulls meant something to Michael. The, the Lakers meant something to Shaq. Like, it used to mean something. Chip Kelly, like Nick Saban. Alabama meant a lot to him. Georgia means a lot to Kirby Smart. Bob Stoops would run through a wall for Oklahoma. Not a big Urban Meyer guy, but he cared about Ohio State. Chris Peterson really, really loved Boise State and Washington. Chip Kelly, if UCLA would have burned five years ago, wouldn't have fucking thought twice. Did not care. And I never understood the hiring. I I, I don't understand Chip Kelly. I, I really don't. He was really good when I was scouting. And then he just kind of got fat, literally, and happy. And I think he's just average as the day is long now. And I understand Ohio State hiring him when uh, Bill O'Brien goes to Boston College because that's Ryan Day. He created Ryan Day. He hired Ryan Day originally in Philly, took him to San Francisco. Uh, obviously, the connection through Urban Meyer, like he, he created this guy. But this notion that like Chip Kelly's still some dominant offensive coach to me is kind of laughable uh and no one at this point in time with a major job feels like they care less about everything going on and listen you'd be like well you're just biased he fired you yeah i I know a lot of people that stayed and worked for the eagles for the next couple years not one of them has a positive thing to say about him not one i don't know many people not beside like in his inner circle that like the guy at all and I, I base a lot of my opinions. Some of them are gut. A lot of them are shared experiences. And people that I know that have worked for certain people, it's why I go all in positively on some guys. And it's why negatively I'll push all my chips in the middle of the table. I, I think this is laughable. Not, not, I don't care that he left UCLA. I only care that UCLA thought he cared. They should have fired him years ago. It made no sense. I understand being desperate whenever you originally hired him. But he proved pretty quickly he sucks. He's not any good. Do you know who should be celebrating right now? University of Michigan. Ohio State. I would pay for this guy to be on the staff if I was those programs. Michigan just hires Wink Martindale to be their defensive coordinator. You know who I like in that matchup? Wink Martindale. <laughs> I'll promise you that. So, you know, I listen, UCLA's got issues. Maybe the programs. I, I don't even... My issue is not with Chip Kelly, like wanting to get out of a program that was heading the right way. My issue is with UCLA years ago not realizing how little he cared about the whole operation. How little he tried. And here's the other thing. He wanted out to be a coordinator. Every team in the NFL said no. He begged the Raiders. He 
begged Washington. He, he would have drove his car to McDonald's house and drove him across the country to work every day. All those guys said, no, we're not interested. And if Bill O'Brien doesn't take the Boston College job, I mean, he had nowhere to go. I think he might have just quit. I think he wouldn't have wanted to because he would have given up a lot of money. But it was definitely on his mind. But that's how Chip Kelly's really felt since, like, the Eagles fired him. It's like, oh, whatever. I'm just kind of here. I hate the media, and then I go work for the media. It's like, just, just, a, just a fraud. Listen, I, I've said this forever about Urban Meyer. He has some fraudulent characteristics. He's a big-time football coach. Not, can't be argued. What's the last time Chip Kelly's been good? A decade ago? It's 2024. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.